Today I talk with Katie Rossler, a licensed counselor, grief healer, and author of the upcoming book, The New Face of Grief. An American living in Germany, she has over 12 years of experience helping people live happy, healthier lives. We talk about healing grief and how we can move through our feelings and not only survive, but thrive. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I would be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, and leave a review. And also please share with anyone who you think would also enjoy it. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C. Okay, let's dive in. Hi, my name is Kristen Michalizzi. I'm a mindset and empowerment coach, a mother of four, a proud wife, a sister, a friend, and a lover of life. Each week, I want to bring you conversations that will touch your heart, make you laugh, inspire you, teach you, and help you grow into the fullest, realest version of yourself. I believe when we dare to be vulnerable and share our stories, we see the humanness of one another and often recognize the bravery inside of ourselves. Whether it's extraordinary or seemingly ordinary, everybody has a warrior story. Welcome to The Warrior Within Us. So hello, today we have Katie Ressler joining us and I'm super excited for this conversation. She's joining us all the way from Germany. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I am an American, but I have been in Germany for five years now. I was one of those who got a uh, hooked into a, a guy with an accent and stuck <laughs> with it. <laughs> and so five years ago, we moved to Germany. Awesome. That's so cool. So what brought you to Germany besides the guy, like the details behind it? So we, um, we lived in the States together for six years and got married and um, had our first daughter. And then when we were pregnant with the second, um, the discussion had always occurred, even in dating, that we would move to Germany. This would be where we would raise our family. And so when I was pregnant with our second, it became even more uh, prevalent that it was like, okay, now's the time for us to move. Um, it's the easiest for our first to learn the language. I would start to pick up the language much faster. Um, and so that was uh, literally, we decided, I think like that December, January, we moved that June. It was a really quick, wow. <laughs> it's, it's the same as we got engaged in the January and we got married in June. We really fast, wow. but we, again, we'd been discussing it for so long that it was just like, okay, part of the plan. We know what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and, you know, sort of whatever information you feel like sharing this morning. So I am a licensed counselor um, and also a transformative grief guide. And I've had private practices both in the States and here in Germany. In Germany, my focus has been um, on expat couples who speak English as their, I call it their romantic tongue, the language that they met in, that they argue in, that they stick with when they're in their homes. Um, and I was finding that couples here were really struggling with adapting, whether it be one member of the relationship or both if they were new to um, the country. And as a couple therapist from the States, I thought, well, hey, you know, I have this gifting and this, this education already. 
um, let me start to help this community that's not being as supported as they need to be. There was always relocation services and all this, but I thought, well, what about the couple? <laughs> and what about the family? Um, so I started working with them in that way. And over time, my work started shifting more into grief because of my own journey and my own experiences. Um, I think naturally that's what happens to us. There's a catalyst that's and it goes, sure. well, now this is what I'm going to do with this. You know? <laughs> this is a greater purpose. Um, and so that's how the transformative grief guide piece came along. Um, that started that my grief journey, heavy grief journey started in 2018. Um, but really in the last year, year and a half was the point where I said, okay, it's time for me to focus more on this in my work. Um, as much as I enjoy working with couples and helping them understand each other better and connect, um, it was just time for me to make a shift in my work, largely because of what's going on in the world and knowing mm -hmm. that grief is such a theme right now and people don't always realize that's what it is. Sure, sure. Wow, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about um, sort of your background story and how you sort of felt called to making this your part, your purpose. Yeah. So, um, the end of 2018, my mom died unexpectedly. Um, they found her in her sleep and that was sort of the first thing that catapulted me into my, my own grief work. Um, you know, clearly as a, I was mom of two at the time and, to get that call um, was just a shock and and um, not how life was supposed to go, mm. basically is what I like to describe it. This, this is not how, no, no, no. This, she was gonna be here at Christmas. No, 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 this isn't how it's supposed to go. Mm. And then um, as we went into 2019 and I was you know in my own counseling, doing my own um, life coaching and just different things to try to come to terms with what had happened. There was a lot of trauma in that experience. Um, we had our first miscarriage, uh, trying to get pregnant with our third child, um, that following summer. And then after that, a second miscarriage, um, Christmas Eve. And it was just one of those experiences where, you know, when we get into the discussion of warrior of, you just feel like you keep getting knocked down and you're like, you know, I know I'm strong, but like, this is like, why am I getting tested or pushed at the time it felt like that? Like, you know, life is just testing me to see how strong I am. And then um, I really sat down and had a, a good talk with myself one day and realized that grief had actually been a part of my journey. And it's actually a part of everybody's journey if we really are, are honest with ourselves. But when I looked at mine, it, being a military kid, moving every two to three years, constantly uprooting, you know, not really ever being able to settle. My parents divorced when I was a teenager. Um, then the, you know, transitioning and moving to university and that change and that difference of, you know, being completely dependent on myself. Um, the birth of my first child was, um, I had help syndrome nine days before she was born and it showed up unexpectedly as well and led to um, an emergency c-section and that birth story that you didn't want to have mm. and the fear that you may not wake up after it happened so it was um yeah I would just say the loss of my mom and the miscarriages just showed me this path of grief that I had um, that I hadn't acknowledged because it's it's actually called hidden grief when it's not related to a death, we don't always recognize it as grief. 
Mm. You know, we just think it's, um, okay, it's trauma, but what follows trauma is grief. Mm-hmm. And that piece isn't talked about enough. So I was walking around with all this baggage. And even as a therapist, knowing I needed to like heal some things, hey, wow, I'm kind of sensitive to these topics. These things trigger me. Okay, I'm going to work on the triggers and not let's look back to what was really causing those triggers. And as I started to really heal those pieces, um, I noticed a transformation in myself. And then and with the clients I started working with, I was like, hey, let's, let's try this on you guys. Let's work sure. on this. Let's see if this, and that was where it was like, wow, this is really quite transformative. When you start to see grief as a tool and a normal part of life, rather than a suffering, a problem, something we want to avoid. Um, and once they and I started really leaning into that work, it was amazing to sort of to just see where people went with it and mm. how they felt a greater purpose, a stronger sense of self, less of the imposter syndrome in life. And um, yeah, and so it led to me grabbing a journal and a pen in 2020 at the beginning of all of these lockdowns and writing. And um, October 5th, I'm publishing my first book, The New Face of Grief. Wow. And it came from all of that work, all of that personal stuff, and then sitting with other people and going, wait, there's something bigger here that we're missing. Mm. Um, and so I'm excited to release that into the world and really help more people see that grief isn't something so scary we need to escape or run away from, that we are capable to handle the emotions it brings. And to know that no matter how many times you feel you've been knocked down, that it isn't you're a victim to things. This is actually just part of the life process of there's going to be, you know, positive and negatives that occur and they're all part of growing you to be that person you're supposed to be to live your purpose. Mm, That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think, I think once you start to sort of do the work, like that's when the layers peel back and you say, oh, like, you know, when we start to acknowledge the parts of our story that maybe we just like power through because we've been conditioned to do that. Right. Um, we start to say, Oh, wait, this happened in my life and this happened in my life. And this explains this sort of, you know, reaction or this, um, because I've been on my own sort of personal journey in the past couple of years where, where I've done the same and said, you know, you know, acknowledging is the first sort of step and then sort of Mm -hmm. how can we use this to like empower and um guide us in wherever we're going next because I think um you know it's all part of our bigger story and you know makes up who we are so that's really that's amazing so um I love too how you were able to sort of shift based on your own personal experiences, which I think is so um, impactful for your clients. Like, tell me a little bit about how you feel like your personal experiences help you in your practice with others. Well, I always knew when I first became a therapist that I was able to sit with people in some really deep and dark moments. And I hadn't quite figured out what that was about other than like, you know, I I knew what it felt like to be the new person, to feel really lonely, to struggle with depression, anxiety in in the teenage years. And so I thought, okay, well, it's it's just because I'm comfortable 
Like I, I know those feelings. I can sit mm. with them. Um, the longer that journey as a therapist went, it's been 13 years now, the more I realized I was being shaped to really be able to hold people in those moments of darkness and sadness. And it, it helped me see even more so that, you know, I'm not this like one person on an island kind of thing. We're all this way. We're being shaped and formed in a way to be able to hold other people or do whatever work it is in such a way to support others support ourselves because of the things we've gone through. So I would say the biggest transformation I noticed with clients is when instead of just knowing I could sit with them, it's starting to pull it out of them more. It's, mm. it's saying, no, we're going to go there. We're not going to run from that today. And I started doing that through guided meditations. That was the point where I started noticing um, like the energy work of grief that when we get out of our heads and out of the storytelling and into just feeling it and not always having us to assign a word or a judgment to it, that things could move and heal a lot faster. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of my guiding work is through doing that, doing those guided meditations in session, allowing people to just have the imagery or the sensations or the, the feelings come up and then allowing them to sort of decide what does that mean? What does that, you know, what does that mean for where I want to be? How does forgiveness look like to me versus me telling them this is what you do and this is next. And this sure. is next. You know, and we look at the false beliefs around anger and anxiety and depression and um, expressing themselves, even boundaries, you know, like what were you taught in childhood about having boundaries with people? Are you a people pleaser? Are you, you know, very um, blunt and to the point because of what you grew up with? So deconditioning the old ways of being parented that maybe affected our ability now to be really healthy adults. Mm. Um, and that work, it's, it's not fun. You and I know this, it's really um, it's pulling out all the impurities and the imperfections and going, these are okay. It's not cleaning them out of us. It's saying, this is actually our natural makeup and it's normal and you don't have to hide them so much sure. um, and finding the healthy ways to communicate and express our needs. Um, so it, it's, you know, I keep saying the word like powerful and transformative, but truly that's what I've seen occur when I stopped making it about what are the words you need to say about your grief versus what do you just need to feel? What are the memories you need to, to show to yourself and how do we move forward with those? Sure. Sure. It's just so interesting. I feel so grateful to be alive at this time right now, because I feel like I, I see this shift happening where instead of just like, being in this hustle and grind and get over it and pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of uh, mentality that I think we've been sort of living in, or at least that's been my experience that like, that's sort of how I, I think that's one of the blessings of, you know, the pandemic is that people were really like, wait a minute, like they didn't have any choice, but to sit with the stuff because it was, and I guess not everybody took that opportunity, but those of us that did, I think really said, okay, we can like explore this and feel it and we're going to be okay. Like we can right. survive this. And the alternative is sort of pushing everything down and, and, you know, just giving it a name, like you said, and moving on from it. And then 
finding that it's trapped someplace, either physically in our bodies, in our physical bodies, or, you know, sort of running the show in our thoughts, because we're trying to, one of my favorite um, people that I follow, a mentor is Kathy Heller. And she talks about how, if we don't, if we ignore our feelings, like if it's like, we look at our feelings as like a guest coming over, like the guest is going to keep knocking at the door if we don't answer. And so it's not just that the guests, I mean, probably in real life, like if a guest is knocking and we're not home, they're going to go away, but they're going to maybe come back the next day and the next day. And she talks about this notion of like, what if we just put out the welcome mat and said, come in and sit with us. And, um, you know, in terms of our feelings, just like really sitting with it. And even though, like you said, it's not easy, it is pretty simple. Um, and it's, it's the hard stuff, but I think on the other side of it is the victory or the, you know, um, the payoff is really on the other side of just like welcoming in our feelings and being able to sit with them and explore them and say, um, sort of non-judgmentally, like, what does this mean for my current life? You know, the things that I went through, or, you know, you talked about the, the people pleasing, which is like a, a trauma response that I didn't know about, you know, in my past. And it was really what it did for me when I learned about the, you know, do you refer to it as the fawn, the fawn trauma response? Have you heard that term before? it's like, Oh yes. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, the first time it was explained to me, I was, it was like a, a light bulb moment where I was like, wow, I can think of all these examples of trauma that I sort of suffered, um, that didn't even really feel like suffering because I was stuck in that trauma response where I didn't want to create conflict. And I didn't want to, um, acknowledge that I was in this sort of traumatic scenario. And so once I was able to revisit those occurrences that had happened to me, I was able to say, oh, wait a minute, it all makes sense now. So I can look at it through a different lens because I know more now and I understand things from a different perspective. Um, For example, like I had a couple of instances of assault in my life that I didn't even see as assault because I was in this sort of people-pleasing fond trauma response where I said, well, kind of, didn't I kind of let it happen? Like I didn't, you know, speak up or I didn't, and now I know more so I can really, you know, analyze it a little bit better and there's a little bit of, I think, forgiveness involved where you kind of forgive yourself for maybe not handling things because you didn't know any better. So I don't know, for me in my personal life, I just feel like when we are able to acknowledge the feelings and re sort of re-examine some of our experiences, it just teaches us more about ourselves so that we can make more sort of emotionally informed decisions going forward. Totally. And I think one thing you said was, it's actually quite simple. And it really is. It's just uncomfortable. And that's why people think it's so complex. Like, oh, it's going to take so much time. Oh, it's going to, you know, and yes, it does take time. 
But when you give it small chunks of time each day or each week, then over time, it isn't so you're like, oh, this took forever. Actually, wow, it's incorporated into my daily self-care that I do something to really heal the wounds that are there or mm-hmm. to show myself respect or you know healthy boundaries towards others. But simplicity, honestly, I don't think we're as a society very attracted to simplicity. I think we want to be. But as soon as things get simple, we want to make them complex again. Right. Because of our trauma response. It's so much more comfortable to be complex and to be busy and to be, you know, a perfectionist or all these different things than it is to really live a simple life. Um, I always joke that, you know, it's like when you clean your house and then everybody comes in and like clutters it up really fast and because it's almost like there's so much space. We need to fill it with something instead of like, let it have space. Um, I think that's the beautiful thing about having, whether it be a counselor or a coach or a guide to sit with you and to remind you like, no, 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 this is safe. This is Mm. okay. Because we often go back into our old responses of fill it up. Nope. Cover it up. Or instead of like, okay, this is unusual. It doesn't feel good but it is safe. It is okay. It's me learning a new, like real safety. It's me Mm -hmm. learning that I can sit with my emotions and just having the emotion isn't a bad thing. Whereas maybe some of us grew up in in homes where having that emotion was a bad thing. You're, you know, go upstairs to your room. If you're going to act like that, Mm -hmm. if you're going to cry like that, if you're going to express yourself like that. So it's, oh, we'll need to, to tuck it in and hide it. And then we go in relationships that reinforce that. Um, but it is it really grief work is simple. Mm. It's just uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I think um, there isn't the alternative, right? Even though it might seem not like more, uh, not as simple, um, the alternative isn't a better option because it's, it's like, we can pretend that shoving it down or filling it with whatever we need to, you know, pass the the time or fill the gaps, like work or alcohol or whatever we use to like numb out the feelings. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a a more substantial repercussion for that. Um, And, and that's the piece of it that I think is complicated because it's like, well, yeah, there is an alternative, but that alternative might seem easier um, and might not seem as complex, but the after the results of that is extreme, really. Right, right. And procrastination is us believing that we're protecting ourselves from a negative emotion or, or experience. And what happens is we add more negative emotion to ourselves because we think, oh God, this, I have to put it, I don't want to do that thing. And we dread and dread and it becomes a bigger monster. So when we escape, avoid, procrastinate on the work we're going to need to do, it will feel worse. It'll feel like it's going to be so much more. And then when you start to do it, you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like finally filing all this stuff for your taxes. Oh, Okay, it's done. I feel so much better afterwards. Yeah, there's but so many awesome. parallels to that in life. I feel like, especially like parenting young kids and having a house full and thinking, I can think of so many metaphors, like things you put off in the house, right? Like, yes. um, you know, even um, 
simple things like putting away the laundry in the laundry basket. Right. And it seems like, oh, I like can't even get to that right now. It's going to take too much time. And then it takes like 30 seconds and you're like, why did I just let it sit there for six days? Um, It's the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, we think it's going to be so much harder or, you know, and not that the work isn't hard, but I think the payoff is so big that it's like, once we kind of get over that hurdle of just like starting, we're like, wow, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Right. What I started teaching clients and what I've been doing for myself is when I hit those moments of like, oh, this feels so good. I got that out of the way, or I've accomplished this level of this healing I've been working on to sit with it. Not, okay, that was great. Move on to the next thing. Cause all, all of a sudden we have this motivation to keep going, but sometimes we need to stop and go, wow, look what I did. I want to feel this so that I have that memory versus the memory of, oh, dread. I don't mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. And then that guides us more. It motivates us more. It's easier to do a visualization of what it will be like when we can really feel it all the way through. And mm-hmm. we know what it's like, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning our room or something, you know, like once you finally do it, you're like, Oh, this is so nice. It feels good. Are you know, getting things off the task list? You've waited for, you know, three months to do. Oh, instead of run to the next thing, go like, I really need to sit with this. I don't need to like major celebration and let's go out to eat, but like, let me feel all of this. So I, I can remember this when it's like, Hey, I have another big project or emotional things I need to work on. It feels so good when it's over. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. And, um, don't you also think that like, once you have the strategies and the tools, then they're in your toolbox, because I imagine, um, that grief is kind of cyclical, right? Like, it's not like I'm going to get over this and then everything's going to be good and it's not going to come back up again. It's like, especially the grief of, of, you know, the more, not obvious grief, but like what we've labeled as a society as grief, like death of a loved one. Like it doesn't just, you don't really just get over it. Even if you do the work, it's like a continuous process of like, things are going to come back up. Like, I'm sure you experienced that in your own personal loss, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are going to be milestones that occur that you know, the grief is going to resurface because your mom should be there for that or whatnot. So it's like having the tools in the toolbox to be able to say, okay, this is coming up for me. Um, How can I use what I know to sort of be, to, to get through it and be okay, like dealing with it. Right. And it's very easy once you have that toolbox to forget you have it because you're so used to like, having to kind of struggle and suffer through, but that moment you go, oh, right. Okay. What are the things that help me in these moments? Like, you know, what are the things I can say to myself? Who's my support network? What are the tools I can be using? How do I simplify my life so that I'm not running or escaping from this? Then you feel way more in control. And often the issue we have with grief is not feeling like we're in control of our emotions because a lot of things come up. We're not in control of what happened to us or what will happen because a component of it is letting go of how we thought life should go and realizing life is going to go how it's going to go. (laughs) And the less we try to like, you know, hold on to that rag doll so tight and shake it like, and just allow it to be the more we enjoy life. 
But that is a piece of acceptance. I think our society really tries to teach you need to have control, you know, control everything, control everything. And it's all fear-based. It's all creating anxiety in us and, and anger and frustration and reactivity because we're not comfortable with, hey, there are many things out of our control and it's actually okay. Mm. It doesn't mean bad things will happen. So that's the piece where a lot of people think, well, if I'm not in control, then everything will, you know, fall apart. Everybody will fall apart. And you know what? You probably have created a scenario in which it will. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you have to get through the everything falls apart and then see everything go back together on its own without you controlling it. Right. Is there a certain um, level of also just like being in the present moment? When you were just talking, I was thinking about the control piece. And I have a son with significant special needs. And I remember very early on panicking about what the future would hold. Like, what is he going to be like when he's 10? And what is he going to be like when he's bigger? And what is it going to be like when he goes to school? And I would constantly go down these rabbit holes of worrying about how I could sort of fast forward in my mind so that I could control the outcome of or be prepared for what that was right. going to be like. And I learned, I think one of the, um, one of the strengths that I was able to sort of teach myself is like, you're not going to know what he's like when he's 10, when he's one, but you know what he's like when he's one and you know how to care for him. And right. so I'd imagine that if you could figure it out when he's one, when he's 10, you could also figure it out. So yeah. instead of going down these rabbit holes of like, well, what's going to happen when, in now putting it back to like, you know, which that is, that was grief. That was grief. Yes. When, yes. when you talk about the different hidden griefs and things that we've labeled as grief and other things that, that we haven't, yeah. but in terms of grief, grief, that's loss, it's like, rather than worrying, like, well, what's it going to be like at say, um, this certain occasion that my loved one should be at, like, how am I going to deal with that sort of being in the present moment to think, well, I don't need to worry about that right now. I just need to be in the present moment and equip myself with the tools that then will help me when the time comes. Um, right, right. It's, it's the, what will make me strong and healthy now? What will give me the support I need now that will carry me mm. to that next milestone? Yeah. Because now he's 12 and I could take care of him when he's 10 and I can take care of him right now. And of course we have um, concerns about the future and we think about like, what will that be like? But I don't allow myself to live there because I know that that doesn't help me today. Right, right. I usually have clients kind of look at their lives like a movie. And I say like, when we watch a real movie, we see the end and we see why these particular events had to happen to get there. And so I, I go, okay, let's look at the major events that happened in your life. What did you learn from them? Who was there for you or maybe not there for you? What came next from that? And who are you because of those things? Mm -hmm. Because we do that and naturally, subconsciously, we do that when we watch movies. Like, oh, I see. And look at the change that happened. That's why we can have these great discussions after movies. We have to look at our lives the same way and say, oh, wow, things were taken care of in that situation, or these things happened to this level, but now I have been able to work with this person and heal that. And we, we start to see the support network that was around. Sometimes we push that support network away, 
but very often we can at least start to say, oh, there was that one person, or there are these people, or then I found that community, or I found, you know, these uh, resources I didn't know that were there before. And because of that, I can now, and it's like the spider web, you know, like this catalytic event with these, all these different points. And, and we have a better understanding, but we don't tend to look at our past as what, what did we learn? How have we been supported? Where have we grown from these things? We tend to look at like bad things, bad, you know, see those bad things. They keep happen happening to me. Right? Again. Yeah. I, uh, up until recently was always, a, my mom would be like, I don't know why you're like this. I'm like, I don't know, mom, you know, the other shoe's going to drop. When's it going to drop? And for me, I remember that that triggered when my parents divorced because it was sort of a like, wait, what? You know, there was no like, hey, things aren't good. Like we didn't see that that's what was going to happen um, as the kids. And so when that occurred from then on, I just was like, anything can just be, the rug can be pulled out from under you anytime, any moment. Yeah. And I looked at life that way. And then when my mom, you know, that was like, here it is again. And then that was the piece where I really had to just let go of that teaching, like, yeah. you know, and go, yeah, anything can happen all the time. And yet everything always works out in a certain right. way that helps me to continue to be the person I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And so it, it, it removes that victim mentality, which is really hard to remove because it's comfortable for, for many of us to just Absolutely. remain in this place of, well, we don't have to do work on ourselves when we stay in the victim role, right? You know, like right. these things are being done to me. I don't know what's wrong. Like, why are people like this towards me? Instead of, I really want to heal this belief that I'm the victim to so much. Yeah. I think it goes back to you saying the control piece, right? Like we're yeah. so ob obsessed with having control because with control, even if it's that we say all these bad things happen to me, there's a sense of control there, right? Or a yeah. sense of preparedness. Like, well, see, I told you it was going to happen this way, but I've been, you know, really mindful of living as living in a space or a mindset that things can be happening for us just as much as, and, and that's a tricky one when it comes to grief to really look at like, what is sort of the purpose of this thing that happened that feels awful. Um, right. And it, you know, I think language is important, but when we really look at, you know, finding purpose, even in the tough things, it really does help guide you in, out of that victim mentality and into a, a space where you can sort of not just survive, but like thrive in your life despite, or not even despite, but like use your circumstances to lift you rather than keep you, you know, in a space where you're just preparing yourself for the next bad thing. Right. Right. That was a large reason I wrote the book because it was just like I you know there's this piece that we're all missing mm. and it, it's how great things can be on the other side how transformative how much you know peace there is but you got to get through the fire and instead of going through the fire everybody's like on their phones or <laughs> binge watching something or drinking or whatever like doing the things where it's like it numbs you in the moment it makes you feel relaxed everything's good but you know, you're still staring at that fire going one day I'll walk through it. Right. <laughs> one day I'll, I'll get there later. 
And yet those of us who've done the walk have been like, gosh, it's amazing over here. You feel so much more connected to people and you, you do, you start to see life differently. You start to see kind of the magic, the positives, the things that surprisingly work out in ways that you go like, well, if I had control, it would not have worked out. This way. <laughs> right. It's exactly. A good thing. You know, like it's really good that I didn't control this. Um, yeah. I've, you know, my husband and I have lots of discussions about this because there are a lot of things in our lives right now that are kind of like juggling. And it's like, is one of the balls going to drop? And I have said to him the other day, I was like, you know, if we really look over the last, like, you know, time we've been, the last 12 years we've been together, everything's always worked out. We can complain all we want. And, uh, and, uh, and um, you know, I've come to love many things about the German culture, but they really do love to complain. <laughs> it's like, you know, like we can be as German as we want to be. <laughs> Everything works out. Yeah. And that, you know, that I said, we've got to shift our mentality in those moments where we're just like, why is this? Oh, and of course, this is so hard. And of course, the bureaucracy and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, everything works out. Okay. Right. Fill out the paperwork. Everything works out. Okay. Right. You know, make those phone calls. Everything works out. It's a yeah. totally different way to approach life. Absolutely. And I, I just, I love living here in that part, in that aspect of life. I think that it's, um, just very rewarding. And the alternative is maybe, uh, I don't know, like you said, more comfortable sometimes, but I, I think that, that there's a lot to be missed out on when living in that kind of space of trying to control everything or just like bracing yourself for the impact rather than, um, you know, sort of trusting that things will work out. You know, I also, right. on the flip side of that, say like a kind of what's the worst that can happen kind of thing. And that's dangerous and tricky because, right, we can create a lot of stories in our head about the worst thing that could happen. But when we really think about what is actually the worst thing that could happen, um, the stories we tell ourselves are like ridiculous. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I was joking with uh, a friend about like, and I actually think I, I mentioned this in the last episode, but it's just too good not to share is like, you know, it's like when you're walking through TSA and there's all these signs about what you can't have in your bag and you're panicking about your like guns and your drugs that you're carrying because you're like, what if they find them? But like, you don't have guns and drugs, like it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, you know, um, we can write these stories about like what's going to happen and, you know, how it's going to be terrible, but like the worst that could happen really probably isn't very likely. You know, I do that like with my money mindset all the time. And, you know, I think sometimes people look at me awkward, like, so are you saying to just be frivolous and throw your money in the air? And I'm like, no, 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 no. it's not like that. It's a little bit more complex. But, you know, when we're thinking about things that either we want to do with our money or like whatever, um, I like think about, well, what's the worst that can happen? And people are like, oh, you could lose your house. And I'm like, well, is that really going to happen? And if you did, like, are you going to be homeless? Like, and I have a lot of, um, I'm obviously coming from a place of privilege. And, and when I say that, and there are complexities involved, but I, I say it for the sense of when we really stop and think about mm -hmm. what story we're telling ourselves, a lot of times we're telling ourselves these really like, far-fetched things that are probably not very likely. So when we live in that space of fear and like, what are we, you know, how is that going to 
what if that happens? And what if that happens? We're like, you know, getting ourselves in this mess of like also um, engaging our nervous system in, in this very addictive behavior of yeah. like, and releasing these chem these chemicals of, of, you know, this adrenaline that we're worrying about things that are probably not even likely. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I, um, so here we actually have the Girl Scouts here in Munich and, um, my, my daughter, my oldest is going to be a brownie and her troop leader. And I think of her, like her sash or her vest and the badges that she earned. And when we had, I think it was the second miscarriage. I, I think I wrote somebody like I've earned another badge. And it's just, you know, it's like a life badge. There are things that we then put on, like I've earned this, I've experienced mm -hmm. this. And it's kind of like our scars that if we're, you know, true warriors, they don't hide their scars. They're just like, here they are. This is what I've done. Yeah. You can go mm -hmm. about my life okay. instead of like, oh, this one right here. Oh, this is it's so bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, oh, it's, it's healed. Moving on. We're going to like, I've, I've let it heal and I'm becoming stronger because of kind of thing. Mm. So we have these, these life badges, these things that occurred. And, and instead of, like you said, instead of seeing the, like, what's the worst that can come from this? Be like, okay, you, you've earned, you got it. Okay. It's here now. Now let's move and see what's coming next. Yeah. Cause you're stronger now for that. Um, but that mentality that, um, the worst case scenario, I, I was in therapy after my mom died and the therapist said, you know, okay, like, cause I was a lot of fear around death. And honestly, as, as things have happened in the world and everybody's talking about death and it was like, Oh my gosh. And she said, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I said, well, that I die and my kids are, are young and, you know, they don't have a mom. She's like, okay, well, why is that the worst thing? Well, because they're going to suffer and they're going to struggle. And I, can they not endure that? Do you not think that they can? And I was like, oh, ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, you yeah, got me there. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, am I that important that I have to be here to, you know, and, and I had to swallow my pride it doesn't you know at first you don't think of it as a pride thing but it is a little bit that I need to be here to make their lives good mm. and if I'm not here they will struggle and suffer and but why is that such a bad thing that they have challenges mm. and that was a piece that um, when she challenged me on that I really was like okay yep that shifted that that belief system pretty fast because you Absolutely. kind of see how ridiculous it is you know yeah. Yeah. Well, I just love the work that you're doing. I think it's so needed. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's always relevant, but I don't know. I think everybody's sort of waking up to the realization that it's super relevant. And, you know, yeah. um, I think those of us that are doing the work, and when I say that, I mean, the self-work um, can attest to it, just it being really rewarding. So I, um, really value what you're doing. So let, let us know where we can find you, um, so that we can read your book when it comes out and yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. So, um, the book website is the new face of grief.com and, um, it's available right now for pre-order on Kindle. I'm hoping to have the pre-order on paperback very soon as well. Um, and you can find my website, katierussler.com, or I'm really active on Instagram, doing lots of videos and trainings. And that is katie.russler, R-O-S-S-L-E-R. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll put all of that information in the bio. And um, 
I really appreciate you coming and speaking with me today. I really enjoyed it. And I hope to stay connected with you in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to hear others like it, I would love it if you check out the links in the podcast description. I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who would also enjoy it. You can also find me over on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C or visit my website at www.thewarriorwithinus.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you.